Hello. Hi. What would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and this is Minutia Ex Machina. With me today is Dave Palace from Five Minutes of Mystery. Yes, thank you. And Sean German from Nexine Podcast. That's me. And together, they, of course, did Groundhog Minute, but we'll talk more about that tomorrow on a different show. Different show. (laughs) Well, thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Yeah, hi. I realized just yesterday as we're recording this that I hadn't recorded with anyone in a while. I haven't even done guest spots in like a couple months, I don't think. You're getting cabin fever is what it is. You're getting a podcast cabin fever. (laughs) Well, I I finished Annihilation and then I'm like, I'm going to take a little while off. And then I had Danny Rubin as the guest on Groundhog Minute. Minute by uh, Groundhog. Well, I'm naming your show. Groundhog Day (laughs) Project Minute by Minute. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I need equal guests on minute one of the other two shows and then i'm not getting alex garland (laughs) i'm not getting charlie kaufman he doesn't even have social media (laughs) alex garland you can find contact information but it's like his agent that's not gonna happen (laughs) and so i just recorded the first ones myself for the other two shows and just explaining the how the shows connect or won't connect as we'll see how it goes it's partly an experiment in the process and you two get to be the first uh subjects i guess all right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just as intrigued about what you're, yeah, what you're working on with your, your projects and projects. It's sort of a thematic thing with these three. I went back and forth on a few different movies that I wanted to try to overlap for a little while, but it's sort of the, they're, these are all about, I mean, this one I think is about like how people program each other, how society programs us. And in the literal sense, how some of these characters are programmed by other characters. And then Groundhog Day is sort of, maybe where they you get a glitch in that programming and i don't mean the time loop i mean where you get stuck in life mm-hmm. and eternal sunshine is where you try to reverse it so they kind of flow in a way in my brain now and i also needed movies that were similar in length and <laughs> ex machina and eternal sunshine are the same length oh gosh okay. is so handy groundhog day is off by a few minutes but i'm like i'll just throw on a couple bonus episodes or something it'll be fine there mm-hmm. you go and in the meantime they're once a week so they'll be synchronized for a while So minute two, actually, I guess, what are your thoughts on Ex Machina generally first? I do like this film. I think it was, it really showed, uh, I think before this film, I think the only Donald Gleeson movie I saw was probably Dread. And he was obviously a minor character in it. Yeah. So it was was good to see him as a lead. I think my hottest take was, I don't like Oscar Isaac with shaved head. I didn't like it in Drive. I don't like it in this. I like when he's got his long curly hair and he gets to like, have a night because he had the he had a decent beard in this, but I just yeah I think Oscar Isaac looks best. He looked aesthetically pleasing to me when he's got his like thick curls on, and he's like because I I don't know I don't, I think it's my I think it was like I think watching this again I kind of go I wish he grew his hair out because he looks I don't know in a weird way like too clean for living alone. I would like it if mm. he had grown his hair out or look a little odd because he he looks. I mean, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a point you'll go in later when you go over the later minutes about his look. But you think for a guy who's like spends most of his time alone and then he programs androids to entertain him that you would think he wouldn't care so much about his hair. Yeah. My thing, I think, visually is aside from he can change his look significantly. Like when I first saw trailers for this, I didn't realize it was the same person mm-hmm. I'd seen and like Ex Machina or not Ex Machina. This is Ex Machina. <laughs> Whatever movie he had just done, I forget what it was. The the where he was the musician. Oh oh gosh oh the Cohen the Cohen brothers. So, yeah, 
He looks so different oh, uh, Lu- between it that he's Lu- he's a very different Llewellyn Davis. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But also with this one, he the characters are named after like biblical characters. And he seems to me like drawings I saw as a kid, because I grew up going to church every week and went to private school, of like Noah and other biblical characters where they have that long beard, but they're also bald. It's like it's like a look. But he's also he's he's as you say it's maybe he wouldn't take that good care of himself living alone, which is why the beard's there. But then he also is an obsessive guy who wants control over everything, which is why he shaves his head. And so I think it fits the character. Hmm. It may not be the best look for Oscar Isaac. I think it's I think it's probably is just my like aesthetic. Like, I think he looked the best in Triple Frontier. Actually, I think it was my favorite like Oscar Isaac look because he like he put a ball cap on. And I go that works for you. That's like it's like hair, it's a little hair, <laughs> but also he's got a ball cap. I go, I think, I think baseball hat Oscar Isaac might be one of our best Isaacs. And I think he looked good as Poe in the Star Wars movies, even though like they yeah. didn't have a lot for him to do in a lot of those films. Yeah. I think like having his long hair was good. And give him yeah, give him a little stubble. And I think he looked, you know, he'll look very he looks very dashing. He definitely here feels like a much different character just seeing him than Donald Gleason's character. Yeah. And that physicality of he looks um He's a very uh, first thing we see of him is working out. So it fits. Sean, how about you? Thoughts on the movie as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was a nice take on and kind of a, you know, a a question that pops up all over the place in in films like this, like The Matrix and, and kind of in real life of, you know, are we in a simulation? Are we programmed? Do we have free will? And I think it it deals with a lot of those questions. And it was nice coming in clean. Like I hadn't I don't think I had seen Oscar Isaac in anything or didn't remember him from anything before seeing this. Gleason, I guess, probably you know was in a couple of uh, the Harry Potter films, mm-hmm. probably where I'd seen him before, but I didn't recognize him. So I was able to kind of come in clean in terms of expectations of the actors. So I thought it was it was an interesting kind of philosophical exercise. And, you know, it's a bottle episode. We're outside the bottle here in this minute, but this is, you know, towards the end, we're transitioning and we're going inside and we're going to stay inside for the rest of the film. And that's always interesting because that's what, you know, any TV show, any uh, film, you know, so much fiction, it's, you know, it's really about characters and we'll put them in workplace or we'll put them in school. We put them in these places to kind of kick off action and make them interact when it's really just about the interaction. So let's just, you know, stick, stick these characters in a house, three or four, and just let them bounce off each other and see what happens without the distraction of going different places. You know, we could have visited a factory that's building robots or, or, you know, seen more of programming and what Caleb does, you know, get to know his daily life more, but it's, eh. We don't really need it. Let's just strip it down and get right to the point, yep. which which I liked. And most of their interactions are simply talking. So it, it mm-hmm. fits with the single location. For minute two specifically, the location we are was a Bloomberg office. They have since moved. So the design scheme was a lot of this glass separators. This aquarium was there and it was moved mm-hmm. to their new location. Lots of neon. They label the areas. We see the label on the glass for coral, but they also had a green and a lime and an emerald and probably more. I didn't find photos of every part of this office. (laughs) So they had it divided into sections, which I think goes to the programming as well as office space as part of that. 
they don't have cubicles at this spot, but they do all have the same desk set up with the two monitors and same desks, and they're just in different class sections. Yeah, you know, it's very modern, it's very clean, and it's hell. This is an awful environment to <laughs> yeah. work in. I mean, maybe if you're in marketing, if you're creative, you know, you're you're in advertising, you're doing a lot of collaboration. Fine. If you're sitting in front, if you're trying to sit in front of a computer and bang out a lot of code or write or do solitary work, we see, like you said, there's no cubicle. We see when we we get a head-on view of Caleb where we're looking over the monitor, not his monitor, right. the monitor of the person facing him. You know, so when he looks forward, he's seeing people we see to either side. He's completely exposed. There's no wall behind him, there's nothing on the sides. There's, yeah, there's lots of distractions. There's lots of noise because there's glass and hard floors and everything. So every noise is going to bounce all over the place. If someone's on the phone, yeah. you know, 50 <laughs> feet away, he's going to be able to hear the conversation. And then we get a little bit, I don't know if we want to talk about the, the, the little bit of code we see for a fraction of a section, what that says, but then this pop-up that says, you know, VIP mail received. I think we should do the programming first. I, but... I, I, I know, I know it's... A, <laughs> I know it's a podcast, you can't see, but I'm shaking my head because this is just, this would be infuriating if you're, you know, you're in the groove, you're working, you're in the middle of whether it's code or you're typing a story or a letter or a report, and then just a pop-up in the middle of the screen. It's just, oh, this is awful. I'm sure they have an opt-out for the pop-ups. I would hope so. <laughs> I think Kayla would probably make it, whatever this pop-up yeah. is, is like, this is from the higher up because- yeah. I think what's important is it, it says staff. So, you know. It does say VIP. So maybe not every email yeah. pops up like that. Maybe just the important ones. But what you're saying, yeah. Like, all right. So the, the office that we have at work, it's mostly cubicle. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's also cubicle is because it's like we have a lot of like people answering phones. So a lot of it's just like, you know, they're constantly talking to customers and stuff. So mm -hmm. one of the reasons why you, you'd want the box that sounded and, you know. They have their headsets on. So this is like, I just, yeah, you, you, it'd be so distracting. I think trying to do any work here, especially me, because it's just like, it's like you're constantly like having people walk around you. It's like, it's, it's like getting like drone out mall watching almost. Mm -hmm. And when you have a shot over, over uh, uh, Caleb's shoulders, it looks like there's like the coffee bar behind him. There's some kind of like <laughs> concession uh -huh. stand kitchen, like, so it'd be like constantly like people going, it looks like the cafeteria could also be behind him. Because it looks like there's like small little white food court tables back there. Yeah. As well as the co uh, the conference rooms. But like he's like, whatever it is, he's on the edge of the programming yeah. section of the, of the, of the building. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, the amount of people walking behind him constantly. He does have earbuds in, so he might be trying to drown it all out. You have yeah. to drown it out. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully those are you know noise canceling. But also he might not be very good at programming, so he might have a horrible seat. Yeah. See, again, I wonder, you know, and we, I guess we don't really know. There's kind of tips that like, oh, he's, you know, he's the wonder boy. He's great. You know, um, wonder kid, as, as someone might say. But yeah, there's hints that no, he's kind of, he's not, maybe he's not as good as he thinks he is. And one of them is, yeah, he's right on the edge of this programming group. And I guess it's, it's not in his line of sight, but right behind him is, just a general walkway. Maybe there's elevators off to the side. There's yeah, some kind of sitting area, maybe a coffee break area. And then he's exposed, like whatever he's working on, if he's self-conscious at all about what he's doing, anyone walking through can kind of look over his shoulder and see what he's doing. And then 
Yeah, in this code, there's some things where I'm like, okay, either he's really good and so he can kind of break some rules or he's not good at all. And he's going to, he's kind of breaking, he's going to get himself into trouble with some of the things <laughs> that he's doing here. Tell us more about that because I only ever knew basic yeah. and then later knew mm-hmm. like HTML, which isn't even really that complicated. This, I had to look it up. I'm like, grab a code and put it in Google. And I figured it was Python. And then someone else said, no, it might be C++. You said another program. I guess JavaScript, yeah. it could be C++. Um, that's, you know, that's not a language that I've worked in. We see a couple of things, just the format in terms of, we see like a, a for loop that's just, it's not formatted the way they do it in Python. And, and the every line ends in a semicolon which is another thing that Python doesn't do. It's it's stuff. So it could be JavaScript or the little bit we see, I think it might be, it could be C++. But the things that caught me, well, I think there's three things. One is the, so in the, the for loop that we're talking about, usually in, in JavaScript or several similar programming language, a for loop will start with three statements. You know, you'll, you'll initialize the variable. You have like X equals one you'll have some condition that's like X less than 10 that specifies how long do you run the loop? And then you'll do something with the variable. It's like X equals X plus one. And so then, you know, so the first time through the loop, it initializes X equals one. The next time X equals X plus one. So now it's two, three, four. And as long as X is less than 10, it'll keep going. And then when it reaches that condition from that second statement, that's when it knows the loop stops. When we see the way he has his for loop, that first part is missing. So it says there's four and then there's parentheses and then there's where those three statements are supposed to be. And there's just a space and then a semicolon. So he's, he doesn't initialize the variable for the for loop, which you can do. That's not illegal. It's a bit of an advanced technique, but it's also something a beginner might think they can get away with. So it's one of those things like he's... I don't think he's in the middle. He's either really good and like just doing advanced stuff or he's breaking rules and he doesn't know, you know, the implications. Another thing as I see is there's a break. And and what that does, that'll kick you out of whatever's executing. It'll kick you out of the function. And that's really frowned upon. It's in the middle of a for loop and it's nested under several layers of if statements So like just breaking out of your execution at that point, usually that's for catching an error, like some kind of fatal error has occurred and you just want to exit everything. You know, usually because you've got variables that are assigned, you've got maybe things that are halfway processed. Maybe you've processed some data and you haven't saved the changes yet. Like you generally want to handle something. You don't want to just break out of a loop like that. So that's another thing that's kind of unusual, but something that someone who's very advanced might do. And then the other thing I noticed is we're very deep in the layers of logic. So I mean, we only see one screen and it kind of flashes quickly. By the indenting, I'm guessing we're already in kind of some kind of loop or conditional statement because it kind of starts with, the screen starts with a bracket and then all the code is indented off from the left margin. Then we see an if else conditional statement. Then inside that, there's the for loop. And then inside the for loop is an if statement. And it says, if, if that condition is made, then break. So we're, was it one, two, three? Like we're four or five levels deep in various loops and conditions, which 
again, it's not illegal. You can do, but it's the kind of thing that's frowned upon. You usually want to try to find some way to simplify your logic to not get so deep. One is there's going to be performance issues. You're kind of challenging the system with that many loops and conditions nested amongst each other. But also it's really easy to make a logical mistake and not realize what the program is doing or, or you know, what the conditions are for the program to reach a certain level of, of logic when you're, when you're nested that low. So it's like, yeah, this guy could be just making a lot of rookie mistakes or he could be super advanced you know, in the place where like he knows the rules enough that he knows when to break them. But again, as, as Dave pointed out, looking at where this is not a primo seat, this is, you know, ju- just judging by geography. Maybe he's so good and he just gets so zoned out in the code that he doesn't notice that he's out in the open and how bad the seat is. It doesn't scream to me like this is a, an employee who's valued by the group or an employee who's valued by the company. This is just a low-level individual contributor drone who's just stuck out on the factory floor and he's just he's on an assembly line pumping out widgets. And as a programmer, the widgets just happen to be code, but in the eyes of management, he's an interchangeable resource. <clears throat> so, you know, why does he get picked? Why does he win this thing that he's very excited about that he instantly texts all his Everyone in his phone, it seems, you know, is his friends and yeah. acquaintances and whatnot. I'm, I, yeah, I'm trying to actually play devil's advocate about this because I'm trying to think like, what if without trying to I'm, I'm trying to actually not use the rest of the movie's logic and, and storyline and spoilers. I'm going to have you for now. Oh, do do whatever you need to. I've already spoiled it. <laughs> I already said last week that I think the movie wants us to believe he's not human, but I, I don't think it. Matters. OK, yeah, because I'm sure. Tr- I'm trying to think of it like thematically. The reason he's chosen is either the AI that we're going to meet later in the movie or Caleb or both. Or maybe it's more like, oh, God, what's that other movie I'm thinking of right now? I can't remember the name. Um, oh, the one where the uh, the guy has the uh, the chip in his head because he gets paralyzed and it turns him into a ninja. Oh, um, <laughs> I know what movie yeah. you mean. Yeah, right. It's just had a couple oh. years ago. I wasn't I, I did not think of this note. I should have wrote this note down. Sean, look that up. Uh, in his head, Ninja. All right. Uh, came out the same year as Venom. As Venom, um, yeah. And it's similar. It's the guy who looks like Tom Hardy, but he's not Tom Hardy. The, 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 what I'm thinking is that, yeah, like they're looking at everyone coding right now in the building. And for some reason, they look at his odd code. Maybe it's not to form. Maybe it does show that there is some outlier with him of how he programs. And maybe that's why he is chosen because maybe the AI, maybe Caleb is looking at everyone coding and be like, yeah, yeah, they're doing the ABC coding. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Upgrade. Upgrade. Boom. That's Upgrade. Great, great, great so movie. You've never seen it. I'm not going to spoil any of it. Yeah. But uh, if you like Ex Machina, I think Upgrade is a little bit, it's just about the same like indie budget, double A production film. But I think it also has the same type of vibe. So to the listener, give that give that a shot. And amazing camera work. Yeah. Because they, they yeah. hooked a motion camera rig and connected it to a phone that was hooked to the guy's chest. Oh. So the camera would rotate with his body. Oh. Like that. Oh. That, no, I didn't know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that recently. I'm like, that's amazing. Because those the way he, the camera moves with him all the time is great. The only part I think that didn't work that movie was like that chase scene, like the near like the top of the third act. Because I was like, all right, they didn't have a yeah. stunt coordinator for the driving. It looks very boring. But that's not <laughs> that. But a movie's not, it's not a driving movie. It's, 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 a, no. it's another AI movie. 
so yeah, this is this is my my devil's advocate for Sean's like, oh, he's not coding right, he's not doing good. I see it as they like that his brain is an outlier, that he's coding, it's a little outside the place, maybe there's some mistakes, but it's not predictable. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's why Caleb and the AI will meet later. Or maybe the AI hints at Caleb that he has outlying type of uh, logic when he writes his code. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what interests. So they look at everyone in the office and go, oh, everyone's coding exactly how we would predict. They do this, they do that, they do this. So maybe it's like whatever they're working on, he's assigned like maybe the entire staff or similar staffs. He's assigned them some kind of project. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, mm -hmm. like the men in black paper test. Mm -hmm. The paper test is not the test. The paper, the paper test was about how do you improve the conditions? How do you think on your feet? The pencil breaks, the chair is uncomfortable to sit in. You can't write on the pencil on the paper because it's on your lap and it breaks. What happens? You take the table and you drag it over and that's what Will Smith does. And it looks odd, but he's, he's making the situation workable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the paper test. So I'm thinking that's what this, the, the, what he's coding is actually not important. He thinks outside the box. He's unpredictable in how we're thinking. Maybe this is what we could use. Someone who doesn't have the answers yet when, when, we, when we give him a, 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 a program or a process. That's my counter to, to Sean's mm -hmm. saying that he has poor logic. I'm saying his logic maybe is poor, but it's also outside predictability. It's outside the box. Okay, I can accept that. Riskier. Yeah. It's riskier, but not predictable. It might even fit with his character because he is sort of a autistic coded mm -hmm. character. And so his awkwardness and his inability to do things the other way people do things does fit with also programming in an unusual way. Yeah, because because also if you think about the film later, you know, most of his job is kind of talking. He's talking to somebody mm -hmm. and you would think, well, then get 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 a salesperson or get a, you know, get a get an Internet guru who love to talk. And they could talk all day to an AI. Now, maybe you get a salesman, that might not help because the salesman just will say anything to get you to do a certain task, whether it be buy a pencil or a, or a car. An inner guru maybe would work, but I also feel like sometimes inner gurus just like to listen to themselves talk. <laughs> that might not be great for uh, trying to get a machine to have a learning uh, logic with talking with someone. So it is intriguing that someone who's working with code, you now say, okay, you're not going to be coding with a person. You're actually going to be talking to a computer. In a, in a talking way you're going to be face to face with them you have to use your logic now for not to, for for coding you need your logic for interacting vocally sociably and maybe that means we register him as less than a normal person as well so his connection with the other character we can read into things and scenes that might not be scripted and think of him as a strange person i know a notable thing that passed a turing test was an AI that pretended to be a foreign 13-year-old. Uh, okay. And so his sentences would always be awkwardly phrased anyway. And so people would accept the awkward phrasing and just go along with it. And like, we understand we he's a strange character because he's in this situation that other people should be more excited by. And he just kind of, he's so quiet and he never really expresses like an ener any energetic like eagerness to do this. Yeah. Even in the end, when he is breaking down the whole thing, it, he's, he doesn't seem to be excited. 
And we might be okay with that because we see he's this programmer at the edge of this thing that he's strange. It's a convoluted way to say, I think whether he programs well or programs poorly, both fit. Mm -hmm. To get the point across, I think the AI is telling Nathan in his big palatial estate, this Caleb guy is very interesting how he codes. That's what I was trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And so Nathan goes, and and also Nathan goes, oh, he's low. He's low level. I could also make sure I can mold him. And I I think he's so low level and maybe how he works. He's not going to just yes, man, me if I give him a task. Right. He'll do everything you want, but he won't. He he won't just do it because you say it. He'll do it because he's intrigued to do it. Yeah. I think if he put, if he chose someone higher management who was a higher level coder or someone who's trying to get something out of it. I think they would be, they would look at this as more of some kind of, yeah, some kind of a promotional thing and, and be a uh, yes boss and, and, and just and give him hollow answers and and maybe maybe even like to stretch out the time they're spending there where Nathan's like, I need you to actually like talk to the AI and do this. And they're doing the minimum amount of effort just to kind of like make the most of it. Whereas like, yeah, I think once they get Caleb in the room with the AI, he's more interested in that than he is trying to kiss up to Nathan. Yeah. I have in my notes influences Alex Garland listed. I won't get into detail on him because I don't necessarily buy it okay. when Alex Garland lists his influences. Anyone wants to understand that, go listen to Annihilation Minute. He steals parts from books that he never mentions when asked about his influences. Wait, wait, you say he steals parts. Do you believe he read a book and then he just does, he just does, admits well, it? He, he adapted the book Annihilation, but okay. then he specifically steals all of the names from a single other book. And he takes things from other books and then never mentions them that's weird even when he is listing off his influences he doesn't mention jg ballard the guy who he takes a bunch of stuff from has jg ballard made anything about this like has he been like hi i like my world jg ballard might <laughs> actually be dead now i think oh that's then his estate get where's the lawyers yeah. because the book annihilation characters don't have names in a movie you kind of need names because the way dialogue works yeah true. <laughs> but he just took all his names from crystal world by jg ballard and then a couple names from some other J.G. Ballard stuff, but doesn't mention that. He mentions Machine Language for Beginners, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Emperor's New Mind, Philosophical Investigations, Embodiment in the Inner Life, The Singularity is Near, and How to Create a Mind, which a few of those, the titles just sound like he probably thought those were cool. <laughs> That's another reason why I would probably never get Alex Garland on the show, because yeah. I'd probably annoy him by not <laughs> liking some stuff he does. Yeah. We, we've already said there's a pop-up VIP email received, subject staff lottery. Yeah, so we, yeah, we see, uh, you know, we got all the cameras. There's, you know, the camera in his phone, the, the webcam on his computer. And like you said, yeah, we, we kind of see the, I guess, the view from his phone where we see him. But behind him, you can see the security cameras and the ceiling in the office. So, yeah, he's, he's well covered. He's being watched. You got the facial recognition stuff going on. It's, it's all very creepy. Well, and we learn later that's how the AI was programmed, mm-hmm. is basically turned on all the cameras and so they could program the way faces work, mm-hmm. which doesn't totally make sense, but cover that when you get to that conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they did with Westworld. They like recorded all the people and then they used that to program the robots to pretend to be people so that they could record more people to program the robots. Yeah. I would say it's like they record like a like almost like mocap, and so I'm sure wherever the sensors are on the robot face, it records like that motion, heart rate, and then just like make sure like they can move 
their cheeks and their eyebrows in that exact pattern mm-hmm. so they can emote better, you know, rather than sort of program. It's now just as an algorithm that knows like, oh, he's experiencing happiness. He's experiencing yep. fear. He's angry. And just like, these are the motor mounts that equate to that emotion. Facially, it would be similar to how you do a deep fake. You take tons of images of that same person and that's how it programs what the face will look like. But then it also would have to attach those facial features to what they say in a text message. So, you know, that face is when they were happy. Yeah. It would have some problems because some people don't emote very well. Yeah, it would probably have, yeah, take the, it, take, it, would, it would take a general thing. Yeah. You know, you know, it reminds me of, I bet you like how they could do is they have like a, remember that little toy you have when you push your hand in the pins and would make mm. on the other side. Yeah. The, the, mm. I feel like maybe that's like a facial motor mounts of the face and they're just a thousand billion pins that then push in and out. And you're right. They probably take like the overall average of what a face looks like when it makes it. Because you're right. There is going to be outliers. Like Caleb is a little outlier with how he codes. They will be outliers for emotion. So it probably knows like, well, I don't want to act like that because that person's a social outcast. That person's mm-hmm. a sociopath. I am a robot. Don't want to be an outcast. Like I had to conform. I mean, it's like, a, it's a lot, it reminds me of like, um, you know, I think about the the thing, you know, how it, 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 it had mm-hmm. to constantly work and update and change to to hide amongst the humans yeah. and how like when you saw i think it was i think it was biggs or ben's or something like that or uh, when they go outside like he, his hand hadn't fully formed yet it's still this like meat flesh blood claw and i'm like doesn't know how to talk so all it does is this like guttural like scream mm-hmm. like has it nope, has it got bed- beddings has it got beddings yet hasn't figured that beddings out yet but by the end it's mimicking so well they can't tell who's who yes the dots here are specifically supposed to be marking the facial recognition. They actually mentioned it in one of the behind the scenes thing that they wanted to do this at the beginning, even if people didn't understand it, because it sets it up for later. Yeah. I mean, this could be so it's one is to, you know, the robots to to accurately reproduce kind of the you know human motion and kind of human facial movements. But it's also I'm guessing they also use it for, you know, the visual training so that the robot can recognize when someone's happy, when they're sad, when they're smiling, mm, yeah. and so forth. Not just to reproduce those facial movements, but also to recognize. But yeah, so it's this this guy's been watched. He's kind of, and I, I would assume that means he's also been groomed for the adventure he's about to go on, you know, with, without his knowledge. And Ava has been groomed for his. He suggests later that she's based on his porn profile. Mm. So she probably looks just like people he looks up to watch. Right. And that's deliberate because we see later that there were many different models of AI in the house that have been put away and she's just the latest one. Mm -hmm. So this contest may be the point where he gets to go, but there's been some prep time for this. Yes. So then he messages Andy T, who has a 555 number, of course, Mm -hmm. that he won. We get a WTF, seriously. Yes, seriously. Dennis or Denis, also a 555 number, says Buena Historia, bro, which is funny to me because I think that's a mistranslation. I think they're trying to say cool story, bro, but that wouldn't be how you say cool story, bro, in Spanish. How would you say? I'm not sure, but cool is not buena. It's not the same as good. Yeah. And if you're going for a translation of a like a saying, they might even just say cool story, bro, and just say it in English. Yeah. Well, that's just Denis for you. You know, Denis, oh, he's always messing up his, his Spanish <laughs> slang. That's <laughs> Denis for <you. laughs> Well, because he's an AI. Yeah, he's, you exactly. know, he's, 
this one won't pass the Turing test. No. Oh my God. Yeah. What if all these are actually different AIs that like slowly cultivated him? So he thinks he's talking to real people. Well, yeah, this, this whole scene is just a program. He, he gets his notification. He's never done anything before this scene. They turned him on at that mm-hmm. desk and he's just trying to figure out that programming code on the screen. Just making things up as he goes. I'm very curious about all the people finding out that he did it. Like, I'm very curious if like, they just got like probs say like, Caleb has won. Congratulate him. They go, okay. And they all just start walking <laughs> over. Cause like, he's not known. He's not well known in the office. Like that's, we all that's BS. Yeah. He doesn't have friends. So like all these people were just like told like Caleb has won. Congratulate him. They go, okay. Yeah. We get Buena Astoria bro with a period at the end. So Denis has some tonal issues. <laughs> Peter E says, OMFG fucking awesome. Which is weird to abbreviate OMFG and then say fucking. Yeah, it's like, we, all right, we, we got it. He's we got, got some Pete. typing problems. <laughs> Pete, we got it. Yeah. Joanna just does a little smiley face. And Lauren L says, take me, take me, question mark, me. exclamation point, question, question mark. mark. <laughs> They're all a little problematic yeah. AI is what they are. Yeah. I mean, I guess Lauren thinks that like, you know, it's there's a plus one involved too. You <laughs> go with a plus one. She's like, can I be your plus, plus one? one? Yeah. Yeah. Now, all the, all the 555 numbers yes. have different area codes. Are we supposed to take something from that? That this is, you know, he's worldly or he's, you know, living a life online that's disconnected from geography? Or, I think it's uh, more, it'd probably be more the latter because yeah. maybe this, this company is mm-hmm. so big, they're all over the place. And he doesn't necessarily have real world friends, but he has people that he works with all mm-hmm. the time. And maybe they code together. That, that's how he knows them. Right. So, yeah, there. I, I didn't look up all the area codes. One of them's 310. That's near here. Yeah. One I recognize 631. I think it's Long Island. It's like a newer area code for the New York City suburbs on Long Island. Then we get probably office manager. I, I, I had to be accidentally racist last episode because there are two black actresses cast as office manager and like office mate, I think. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell either one apart and see which either one looked like this woman. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. I'm so sorry. Well, I would say I would say that mate is has to be like she must know him a little bit more to like arm shrug. Like to run up an arm shrug somebody, you gotta be able like, <laughs> he must at least have, I would say at minimal, like at least a weekly hi, how you doing over coffee? Like when they're both at the same coffee vendor. Yeah. Cause like, why would the hell would you run up to somebody that you work with? Like, give it like, whoa, you did it, bro, other than the shoulder, unless like you at least like talk to them. everyone else, and I think the woman behind them. That's probably the office manager because she's got like what looks to be a clipboard or like a, something like she's she's like kind of palming in her left arm like she's kind of holding it. So maybe that's mm. like another data pad or something. Maybe. But yeah, everyone else is just, just like, you know, politely clapping around him. But I, yeah, I have to say the office mate, she, he must know her a little bit that she gets that close to him. This is a weird scene. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, it. It's supposed to be <laughs> so that later we might like think back on it and be like, yeah, that was a little odd that he just gets this. And then there's people that it it feels constructed. Yes. Oh, yeah. As you said, did they all just get a message that said, oh, Caleb won. Congratulate him. That fits. Yeah. This has to be something that obviously has been building for a yeah. very long time, whatever this lottery is. Yeah. And I'm sure they haven't heard much from Nathan other than like probably like monthly posts you know yeah though this is still a slightly contemporary film outside of the ai parts like we have to assume this is a universe where just like yeah just i mean i mean we're not too far off because like you you look at all the different conglomerates between facebook amazon stuff like that with how it's like 
we're all kept abreast of what our billionaires are up to these days. You know, the fact that like Bezos has now been in like the space twice. Mm-hmm. So we're all like, yeah, he went up into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's given us updates on his billionaire life. Yeah. This billionaire is strange in that regard because he just stays. He's old fashioned while working on something brand new. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see him like, like, uh, even though he's working out stuff, we don't see him like uh, do that. It was like, you know, with uh, what's it called? With uh, Zuckerberg was like waveboarding and yeah. he had that like that sunscreen on. You're like, Jesus. That pacey went so <laughs> You're like, God, man, like just put a sun hat on. Just put a hat on, man. Oh, did you see that that, that footage when they landed and Shatner's tr- trying to like cover the words for like a nice speech about like, you know, going into space and like Bezos just interrupts him, like pops him champagne. You're like, man, Bezos <laughs> never stop being a jerk. <laughs> never stop being a weird bug of a person. Mm. Every time we try to like maybe Bezos could be human, right? He does that. You know, no, nah, he's not. He's not. He's <laughs> close. Yeah. No, yeah. just they haven't. Yes, they haven't tweaked it yet. They didn't program him, right? Definitely not for that part. So then, uh, right as Caleb looks a bit overwhelmed by, you know, people are touching him. Even <laughs> we cut to the helicopter flying over the glacier, which is I don't I didn't look up how to pronounce this. So- Sonia Floyd in Norway. Sure. And then we cut to inside the helicopter. Caleb's got headphones on as as you do in a helicopter, and he says his first awkward line of the film because he's a social weirdo Mm -hmm. how long until we get to his estate and that made me think of quigley down under that is my reference for that because he says when do we get to marston's ranch it's like we've been on his bloody land for the last two days when we get to marston's ranch we've been on his bloody land for the last two days and they were in a wagon so oh god so do you think you think in this universe nathan just bought norway is that what your math is (laughs) he he bought a large section He, he bought a glacier basically and I guess just uses all of the materials left behind by it to make his AI and hides from everyone. No one's going there. No. And obviously like, I'm sure like he has enough like radar set up that like he knows if anyone's like coming and intro- interrupting yep. his property. He'll shoot him down. So the pilot laughs and then he says, we've been flying over <laughs> his estate and I won't spoil it. <laughs> we'll spoil giant things, but not that. <laughs> I like to think that this that. this pilot's been probably doing a lot of runs alone. This is probably like the, the most experienced pilot whose flies out. If they have to drop off supplies by helicopter, he's probably the guy to do it. So he's probably like happy to like have a conversation with someone, even though if it's like an answer that he's probably already thought about, you know, just come on, ask me how far we've been flying over. Just ask me, ask me. I hadn't thought about supply runs, actually, because I don't see... Nathan coming out to the helicopter. No, 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 no. I'm not saying. Which means yeah. he sends out the Sonoya Mizuno's character. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, he would definitely do that. He would definitely have. So she just know. has to walk out there and carry stuff back. Yeah, yeah. I would. I uh, believe that. Yeah. Whatever it is, I, the helicopter. Dick. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I would say yeah, he would. He pays enough money to have the helicopters probably fly out, whatever the supplies are. He probably has it automated perfectly of like what he wants, what and when. Yeah. Rarely, I'm sure he changes the supply of like what he wants. Oh, this week I want peaches instead of pears. Then again, he probably like probably produce. He might have enough. Maybe somewhere in that area is like a. I don't know if they ever show there's any hydroponics or like no. you know underground garden. Like it could be like almost like a fallout bunkers worth of like food that he can make, and then he just has different androids pick for him. But yeah, if he wants obviously like steak, 
you'd probably have to get that flown in then. But speaking of Jeff Bezos, I'm sure he's got a drone to just drop Amazon products off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Nathan has his own products. I guess he has the Jeff Bezos in this universe. The, yeah, probably there's like a blue book version of Omaha Steaks or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like pre-cut, pre-measured. They have a perfectly like choice cut and paid. And it's all covered. And he goes, yeah, I can pick, you know, pick from my own catalog, whatever meats I want. If I want a big prime rib or I want a small sirloin. And then, yeah, had that AI girl just probably cook that up for him if he wants it or he does it himself for control reasons, <laughs> you know, and lots of alcohol. Yeah, too. Anything else on minute two of Ex Machina? No, I mean, it's quite exciting movie to say the least. It's it's kind of funny how at first thinking I go, there's not much in these minutes, but we definitely picked like a lot of detail that I didn't think about, you know, going through that minute at first. And I didn't even know Sean knew programming mm-hmm. stuff. So that was cool. Sean's an enigma. We don't know. He's a real <laughs> man of mystery. <laughs> I I do know some things. Yeah, no, this is this is a really interesting minute. And uh well, we didn't really talk about the, the score, but it's a nice setup. Yeah, there's kind of an ethereal, otherworldly quality, you know, to it. Like this is yeah. f- filmed in a real office. It's it's kind of a realistic setting, but at the same time, it kind of doesn't feel real, almost like a dream or uh, or a simulation, if you will. Which works. Yeah, it was an interesting minute. I guess, Dave, you can go first. If the listeners want to hear more from you, where can they do it? Oh, yeah, they want to hear more from me. Currently, I'm just about finished, but I'm working on some new things for Five Minutes of Mystery, which is the podcast where I go over the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men. I've had Sean on, and uh, I had you on, right? I've had you, you did, on. yes. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've had everyone in this room on. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk, <laughs> if you want to talk about you know comedy and, and superhero genres, because we're like we're in a nice still, we're still in this. Like, so funny how most of my podcast, it feels like, was in the lull of Avengers Endgame, and we're still kind of in that. Like, we haven't really gotten to like the next big phase of what superhero movies are going to be, and it's kind of fun to kind of go like. Mystery Men still has a good place in comic book feeling. It still makes fun of itself. It still has certain tropes it makes fun of. You've seen all the comic movies you thought you've seen. Maybe check this one out too. And Sean? You can find me. I did a guest episode on Five Minutes of Mystery where I talked about the movie Mystery Men, five minutes at a time. I also did a podcast, Groundhog Minute, where I covered the film Groundhog Day, one minute at a time. And our buddy Dave Palace was my co-host there. And Robert? You were uh, a guest on several. Oh man! So uh, Robert's got Robert's got yeah. things to say about Groundhog. Let me tell you what. Who apparently, yeah. So uh, yeah, and that's still up. You, you know, folks can find that at uh, groundhogminute.com and uh, yeah, and all over Gobbler's Knob is uh, a Facebook group, and uh, I think we're at Groundhog Minute on Twitter and, and other social media. So uh, yeah, folks can check that out. Thank you for listening. Minutia Ex Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more Ex Machina, every Wednesday for Groundhog Day Project, Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at X Minutia, Instagram at Minutia underscore X underscore Machina, or Facebook at Minutia Ex Machina. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find more links at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? The real test is to show you that she's a robot 
and then see if you still feel she has consciousness. why you felt little Tiffany deserved to die. Well, she was the only one that actually seemed dangerous at the time, sir. How'd you come to that conclusion? Well, first I was gonna pop this guy hanging from the street light, and then I realized, you know, he's just working out. And how would I feel somebody come running in the gym, bust me in my ass while I'm on a treadmill? Then I saw this uh, snarling beast guy, and I noticed he had a tissue in his hand, and I realized, you know, he's not snarling. He's sneezing. You know, ain't no real threat there. Then I saw little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight-year-old white girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters, this time of night with quantum physics books. She about to start some shit, Zed. She's about eight years old. Those books are way too advanced for her. If you ask me, I'd say she's up to something. And to be honest, I'd appreciate it if you eased up off my back about it. Or do I owe her an apology? <laughs> 